Welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast, where we explore how the story of Jesus changes everything. In order for the gospel to be central, it must be functional. I'm your host, Mark Smith. And my name is Andrew Arthur. Thanks for joining us. We're glad you're here. Welcome, welcome to the Gospel Clarity Podcast. You are here, we are here. It's a good time. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, man. My name's Mark. Thanks for joining us. Today we have... Uh, uh, I'm feeling really good today. Yep. Are you feeling good? I am now. Yes. Yeah? yeah? Now you're feeling good. Yeah. I feel like really productive today. Yeah. I don't know about you, and I don't know about some of you listeners, but if you've ever had days where the where the mind fog has cleared... And you're just in a zone of like, I'm going to knock this out. I can do this and that. That's kind of how I'm feeling right now. That's great, man. Yeah, I woke up stressed this morning about all the things that need to get done in a very short amount of time, both on the ministry church front and then also on the personal family front as we are um, moving from one house to another house today. And so we've got a move oh, happening and some other things. And yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I woke up a little anxious and stressed mm-hmm. about different things, but... I uh, stepped into our staff meeting and just had a good time with our ministry staff, just encouraging one another, praying for one another, and um, the the grace that God has shown me and just the way that they move towards me to help alleviate some of my stress and some of my anxiety. So That's I'm right. grateful for that. We got your back. Yep. We got your back. Yep. Excuse me. Got a frog in my throat. You're good. Delaney said she had that the other day, and I told her, my eight-year-old, to stop eating frogs. And she looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, so we have, uh, yeah, we've got quite a bit going on. Andrew and I both are traveling around the world, doing different things, speaking in different places, and um, it's going to be a really fun summer. So we've got good stuff planned. But today, we are really excited because we get to answer one of your questions. So... Um, I love it when you guys ask questions for us to answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fun to address yeah. what you guys are thinking about. Yeah, it's and it awesome. helps us think about things that we're not thinking about. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, and this this question is um, drawn from the uh, sacredness of Sunday episodes that we recorded a few uh, weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago back now, and um, we've been getting a lot of really good feedback from that. Um, if I could ask one request from you listeners, would you? Be so kind as to leave us an iTunes review. What I notice is that we've got iTunes listeners who listen through the, that podcast app, and I think you can leave reviews. I would love to get some reviews of feedback so that we could um, hear from you guys from another level, not just with questions, but just how you guys are interacting with it as we gear up to uh, get ready for our season two that's going to happen later this fall. What do you think about that, Andrew? Would you like to hear from them? I think it's a great idea, man. I think it'd be. I think it'd be good. I'm not saying it's a great idea, but I I feel really good about <laughs> the idea. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so this question today is we're we're going to be talking about and answering the question of Sabbath practices and accountability. This comes from one of our uh, listeners and dear friends, Emily. Emily asks, "I've been." really blessed by the sacredness of Sunday's topic you've been talking about for the last few episodes. And I have a question. What role do you believe the practice of Sabbath plays or should play in modern Christian life? Then she asks a second question, which is, 
um, I find that it isn't necessarily common, uh, a common practice in the church circles I've been a part of. So finding accountability for it has been difficult. Do you have any suggestions for how Christians can take advantage of God's gift of Sabbath rest practically? Awesome question. Yeah, no doubt. Very good. So we have mm-hmm. a we have a bit of a historical biblical question that we'll answer first, and then a bit and then a practical question of kind of how can you play out the Sabbath practices um, each and every week, and how can you involve others and encourage them and receive accountability as well. Mm-hmm. So let's first talk about um, let's talk about her first question, which is the Sabbath playing a part in modern day Christian life? What role does it play in? Mm-hmm. Andrew, you got any thoughts first? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the practice of Sabbath rest, obeying God's command on that front is more needed perhaps now than it has um, maybe ever been. Yeah. In, oh, it's in, a super uh, relevant, history. super relevant topic right now. Because we live in a culture and a context now where spirituality uh, and spiritual practices are not, um, people do not know how to engage them, mm-hmm. um, in part because we do not know how to contemplate, we do not know how to reflect, we do not know how to recalibrate, uh, we do not know how to rest, all of which are purposes that the Sabbath serves in the life of a Christian. And the reason for that is because we're inundated with media, technology, forms of entertainment, and ways to escape, that we don't do a good job of confronting ourselves in relation to our God um, on a regular basis. And so one of the ways that Sabbath has served God's people throughout history is to give them time and space to confront themselves mm-hmm. in light of their relationship with the Creator. And we don't do that. <laughs> we, we have no... Um, it's, it's not a common practice, but it is one that needs to be recaptured. Otherwise we are not going to, um, thrive spiritually. We're not going to mature spiritually. We are not going to, um, experience what John Calvin talks about in the opening paragraphs of the institutes of the Christian religion. He says that there's, there's basically, uh, two types of knowledge, knowledge of God and knowledge of self and how one gives way to the other, and one paves the way to the other. And if we don't have regular time and space to contemplate, to reflect, to confront ourselves in light of the Creator and our relationship with the Creator, um, we're not going to grow in our knowledge of God and in our knowledge of self, and we're just going to be very, <clears throat> we're going to continue to flounder spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Great thoughts on that. Absolutely. I kind of wonder, I might be throwing this argument out. Um, It seems to me, though, is that when I think about the past, when I think about history of Christians living their lives, it doesn't seem like they were less busy, but I think that they took more time to rest than, than we do now. Mm-hmm. Still busy. Yeah, but I think they I think they rested. Yeah, they definitely worked hard, but they had a schedule that was more fixed because yeah. they did not have the uh well, I mean technology and Netflix and all of that has changed the landscape dramatically mm-hmm. uh in that we can always find something to do. 
There was a, for a long time in human history, people woke up when the sun came up and they went to sleep when the sun went down. Mm -hmm. And so their days were much more bracketed and much more finite. It seems like our days um, in contemporary culture are more infinite. It seems that there's no, there's no opening and closing of the day. There's no ritual and routine that is regularly engaged in. And because we can extend our nights by binge watching Netflix and we can extend our nights by um, going and hanging with friends in restaurants or, or clubs or whatever that stays open late. And so we can extend our days and there's not really a strong uh, bracket that forces routine and mm-hmm. regulates kind of our time, how we use our time. And so because of that, uh, we don't have a routine on just in our regular days much less trying to weave in a routine and a bracket that falls on a weekly on a weekly uh, spectrum where you have one day a week that is bracketed that is um, that both kind of opens and closes your week which is what Sunday does for the Christian it's kind of the culmination of all that has transpired we come to worship God together to recalibrate but it's also kind of a thrust into the future as we are um, as it also kickstarts our week as we go about, Monday through Saturday and this, that, and the other. And so what I'm saying is the the brackets that used to be in place in previous generations and iterations of, of humanity, um, those brackets don't exist on the daily basis. And for us today, um, that makes it harder for us to build them in on a weekly rhythm and routine as well. Mm-hmm. We just don't know how. Right, yeah. and And then let's... Yeah, I, I want to move to practices, but uh, let's let's stay let's stay with the question, uh, or I should stay with the question. Could you give us just a brief summary, just for those who are possibly interested? We know that Jesus talked about the Sabbath, and um, there was some confusion amongst uh, some of the disciples, and possibly a misinterpretation of the Pharisees and kind of how they viewed the Old Testament Sabbath and what got it presented. Now, we know that there isn't any confusion between, there isn't any contradiction between what Jesus taught and what Genesis kind of lays out as the formation of the Sabbath. But do you have any thoughts on um, how a Christian nowadays can look at the modern day church and say, what can we take away from? What should I take away from these passages, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament about the Sabbath? Uh, well, it's a it's a huge topic, <clears throat> and there is a little bit of disagreement amongst Christians as far as what is the role the Sabbath should play in our lives. Um, is it still binding in a literal one day Sunday sort of way? Is it uh, should it continue to be Saturday, which is what you know Seventh Day Adventists and others kind of believe and they champion? And so there is a conversation uh, amongst. Um, Christians and pseudo-Christians and uh, churches and pseudo-churches, there's a conversation about how the Sabbath should uh, play out mm-hmm. today. And so in order to make it succinct, I'll give you kind of the, the big principles that everyone agrees upon. Cool. Let's do and that. And this is what Jesus is affirming in the Gospels. Yeah, let's stick with that. <laughs> and the big principle is that God created the Sabbath for our sake. That Sabbath is a gift to us. And it should be received and interacted with as a good gift, which requires faith on our part. The Pharisees were teaching that the Sabbath, you know, you didn't work um, on the Sabbath, not so much for the sake of the person not working, 
but for the sake of not transgressing or breaking the letter of the law, which is what they had fleshed out in terms of how the Sabbath should be observed. Um, I mean, it was like if there's a Jewish document called the Midrash, and the Midrash is basically a second, third century document written by Jewish leaders. Uh, they were closely, they, they basically extended and expanded upon what was widely uh, taught among Pharisees in the first century in the Judaic faith. And the Midrash would lay out, I think, uh, in tedious detail what a person was allowed to do on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. what they could do and what they could not do. For example, a person could walk a certain amount of feet per day, and they had that footage uh, laid out to the number, and you could walk so far but no farther. No running. Um, no running. <laughs> no there, there sprints. Were, it, was, it was fleshed out in such tedious detail. Mm-hmm that uh, it is very clear that in the first century, the letter of the law started trumping the spirit of the law. Mm. And that's what Jesus confronts in the gospel. Yeah. Because his disciples one day partook of some bread that uh, on the Sabbath, no, no, they picked some grain on the Sabbath to eat. And the Pharisees knew they had done that and they qualified that as work. And so they called the disciples out. They called Jesus out. And then Jesus reminds them, hey, look, the Sabbath was created for man. It does not, um, and and as a result, the spirit of the law says that the Sabbath principle and the Sabbath practice should serve the flourishing of our lives in a holistic way. And so picking grain to eat because you were hungry isn't a transgression of the Sabbath. It is doing something that would rejuvenate the body and that would... Uh, which is in line with the spirit of the law, that the Sabbath was a gift to man and mm-hmm. should be. And there are ways to engage the Sabbath that rejuvenates uh, a human being. Yeah. That's a great uh, segue then into the next question of how can we practice the Sabbath now that brings rejuvenation and invites and welcomes our friends and people to uh, join us in that as well as um, holding us accountable to it and hold, perhaps holding others to it, accountable to it. Um, and I think maybe for, for my first takeaway of that, rejuvenation might look a little different to, to different people. Mm-hmm. But I think there might be some general, um, general principles that we could give to, uh, that work for everyone. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, fundamentally is... <clears throat> Are you taking some uh, a day each week, which I think for the Christian should ordinarily be Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um, are you um, are you confronting yourself in light of your relationship with the Creator? Yeah, um, and it, so that you are so the Sabbath is in is observed in a referential sort of way that it is observed in reference to your relationship with the Lord. Meaning Sabbath does not mean to simply take a rest. And it does not mean simply to carve out time for uh, you to hang out with friends that you haven't hung out with uh, in a while. Or even hang out with your family that you maybe haven't been able to hang out with for a while. Um, at least not in, and of, not in and of those things for those things' sake. That for... Um, the Christian Sabbath must be engaged in reference to their relationship with God. 
mm-hmm. or their relationship with Christ, who would say that I am the Sabbath, I am your rest. So come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will satisfy your soul. I will rejuvenate you. So if you're not going to Christ in a concerted way, if you're not confronting yourself in relation to the Creator, uh, you're, you may not be practicing Sabbath like you may think you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> simply because you're sleeping more or you're relaxing more or you're hanging out with friends or even hanging out with family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I would say, too, um, <clears throat> when you're th- thinking about accountability, you're asking people to join with you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, accountability works that way as well. So there's there's two parts to that accountability. One is um, letting those who are close to you be aware of what you are practicing and what you're asking the Lord to help you do, which is to practice Sabbath weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, letting them know that and making it clear that these are the steps that I'm taking. These are deliberate steps that I'm taking in order to, to, uh, to do that. And in that process, one thing Andrew and I we were just talking about right before this is that accountability can work in a different in another way in that you can invite people to join you in that practice as well. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, you're encouraging them, you're bringing someone else into your life to practice that very thing that you're doing. Sometimes that works out in terms of what you want to be held accountable for. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a personal thing. But either way, um, I think it's really beneficial to, to one, be clear about what it is that you want to be practicing during your Sabbath. So mm-hmm. if that means I want to be practicing Sabbath, and so I'm going to completely disconnect from social media mm-hmm. because social media is taking a part of my mind, distracting me, and turning me away from the important things that I need to do that day to rejuvenate my time and have fellowship with the Lord. Mm-hmm social media, I'm going to turn that off. If you see me on social media, call me out, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, what are some ways that you can maybe ask me if I'm, if I'm on social media? Um, I do want to address some families out there because families might have a different, uh, dynamic in that if you have children who are living with you and if you have a spouse, um, those are more people that are going to potentially either, that could potentially make practicing a Sabbath more difficult. Mm -hmm. If there's weekend soccer games, you know, baseball games, music class, different uh, family events that you have. Mm -hmm. And I have one pastor friend of mine who um, I thought gave really good advice in that when he said he wanted to be a practicing Sabbatarian, is what he called himself. (laughs) To be a Sabbatarian means that um, he's going to lead his whole family in practicing the Sabbath together. So they look at their schedule ahead of time deliberately to pick the day that they're going to practice the Sabbath. That's not going to coincide with any kind of sports games. It's not going to be a day that the kids do homework. It means that they need to do their homework ahead of time so that the kids are going to practice Sabbath as a family together. And in doing so, he's, they're leading their family in practicing the Sabbath to instill that value into their kids and bring the whole family together. Yeah, I think that's a <clears throat> that's a beautiful picture. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful picture to to also add on to to add into the mix of the accountability question and mm-hmm. how do you? I think she asks, how do I engage others who don't who do not who might not see it as a priority mm-hmm. and trying to find that accountability? Like most things in discipleship, we have to learn how to do. 
we have to learn how to follow Christ. And so Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He also taught them how to Sabbath um, he, by emphasizing the spirit of the law over the letter of the law and making it life-giving and reframing their understanding of what the Sabbath is. And, and so when you think about it that way, if you are someone who already practices Sabbath and you have a good rhythm that helps you uh, recalibrate in your relationship with the Lord, where you're confronting self in reference to your Creator and in reference to your Christ. If you were there, um, you have something that many, many disciples desperately need in our context. They need to be taught how. And so, one way that you can um, disciple others is by, as Mark said, inviting inviting a disciple into your Sabbath rhythms and maybe issuing a challenge with a definite time frame that will serve to prime the pump for maybe an inexperienced disciple or a disciple who doesn't yet know the value of Sabbath practice and Sabbath rhythms. And so you can invite someone to say, hey, I've been um, trying practicing Sabbath for a couple of years now. And uh, the Lord has really enriched my relationship with him as a result. And uh, I would love to to share with you what I've learned and what I, how I am growing. And so would you join me for four weeks and in practicing some Sabbath rhythms and some Sabbath exercises, if you will, and give a definite time frame so that somebody can kind of uh, won't be overwhelmed by the lifelong commitment that practicing Sabbath should be. And, and instead, you give them a definite time frame with some brackets so that they can uh, learn how to do what you are already doing and to learn how to do uh, what Christ has called us to do and in taking advantage of the, the gift of Sabbath. And so a four-week challenge or a six-week challenge of saying, hey, look, will you step into these rhythms with me? And on this day, we're going to try to um, do these things. We're going to avoid social media. We're going to gather with my the church family to serve Jesus and to recalibrate in that way. We're going to spend some time uh, maybe in solitude with the Lord as well um, on that day just to kind of reframe, refocus, recalibrate, mm-hmm. and, and then debrief, say on Monday. Um, come back and say, hey, how was your day? How did it go? How's your soul doing? How's your heart doing? Uh, what'd you learn about yourself? What'd you learn about your God? Uh, what are things that God is revealing to you through this process? And um, But have that debrief moment so that you can deploy again the following week and then come back and just have this regular rhythm of deployment to practice the Sabbath and debrief to understand what's happening and to grow um, as time goes on. And then, Lord willing, God will whet the appetite of that disciple, and yeah. then you'll have another person kind of in those rhythms, and then they can turn and invite somebody in with them for six weeks, and and then that's how multiplication happens. That's how we make disciples. Um, so Emily, let me let's let's share and listeners, let's share a little bit about. Um, let's just share two things that we do, Andrew, during our Sabbath practices um, that maybe might spark some ideas for people. And um, we can share two things that we do, um, and hopefully that's helpful. Now, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go first, because you just finished talking, and I'll start. Uh, th- these are two things I do. One, I don't, go, I don't open up my computer, and I, don't, and I leave my phone in the drawer the whole day. And I try to um, disconnect completely from any type of like social media. Now, here's a little disclaimer. 
I actually am not on social media anymore at all. So I'm completely <laughs> disconnected all the time because I take my Sabbath that serious. <laughs> I just wanted to eliminate everything. That's not true. Now, um, no, I, uh, yeah, I ended up disconnecting completely because of this very reason is when I open up my computer, all of the soft, the programs, you know, whether it be on your social media stuff or even down to like Netflix, there are, these things are designed to distract you from what you're, you went to set out to do in the first place. So because they're designed to distract you and to hold your attention, it's best for me to not involve them at all in the practice, in Sabbath, because I want to have intentional time to rejuvenate, to be with the Lord and to celebrate the Sabbath together with my family. So we keep our computers closed. We put our phones in the drawers. And um, if someone calls for some reason, you know, maybe we'd, we'd answer it for that if it's important. Obviously, if it's important, we would answer it. But um, normally what we would end up doing is we just try to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I try to do is any kind of readings that I'd like to, to do or read um, during my Sabbath day, if they're, on, if they're a blog on the Internet, I'll just print it off ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. So I'm not saying, oh, I, uh, I've got to. I'm going to keep my computer closed. But oh yeah, I remembered that blog post I wanted to read for my Sabbath because I know it's going to lead me down a rabbit trail for a half hour, and then I'm going to be frustrated. So just keep it closed. Print it off. You know, print it off. Read it. Highlight it. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other thing that I like to do is I like to find conversations that I can have. Um, with whether it's what I'm reading or what I'm thinking about and talk with my family about that mm-hmm. times have family times of worship have uh, devotional time with my wife I think is really helpful and really really great yeah and I think what Mark's <clears throat> getting after really well is that you don't just wander into Sabbath you plan and you look toward that day and you make uh, decisions before that day comes about how you're going to spend that day so that you can be prepared to maximize that time. And so yeah. the I- idea of printing off a blog is, is, is a brilliant way to illustrate how we live towards those days and we don't just wander accidentally into them yeah. and expect to get the most out of them. Be excited for it. Yeah. Be excited and anticipate it. So yeah. Um, what, are, what are two things you do, Andrew? So, um, I things that I try to do, I don't always do them well. Is when I'm on Sundays, the Lord for is example, gracious with you. <laughs> I uh, move from, uh, you know, we have three gatherings on a Sunday in Fremont and West Seattle and in North Seattle, and I'm involved usually in all three of them on some level. And so I'm in the car a lot. Mm-hmm. During the week, I am, uh, I spend way too much time listening to sports talk radio. Um, that's what I have on in the car constantly. And on Sunday, I have to make a concerted effort to keep the radio off. It's very tempting because there's a lot of stuff happening on Sundays with football and big sports events and things like that. And so um, I have to fight back my idolatry on that front so that I don't um, treat Sunday like any other day, mm-hmm. but that there, that I'm viewing it as a sacred day, that it's every day is sacred, but not every day is the same, as we have said. And so on Sundays, you, you tr- do try to do things differently, not things that you would do on Thursday or Wednesday. And so a very simple thing for me is to keep the radio off because I am in the car a lot. Mm-hmm. And so just keeping the radio off and staying uh, focused on what that day represents, or at least trying to. Yeah, that absence of silence can be 
uh, or a presence of silence. Mm-hmm. It can be quite dynamic yeah. in the car. It leads you to your thoughts and reflections. Yeah, I've been good. thinking about that a lot lately, and I'm trying to figure out some way to how do we emphasize this and bring it to the forefront of disciples' minds that they need time to contemplate and to reflect and to be quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, just trying to find ways, how, how can we bring that into our spirituality? Because sometimes Christianity, like it seems that in American church life, spirituality, we don't understand the spirituality of our own faith. Um, where Christianity uh, doesn't, it seems like from the from some Western Americans that I've talked with, um, when when the word spiritual comes up or spirituality, their mind goes to yoga. It goes to other Eastern practices because they are viewed from the outside as being more spiritual for X for reasons related to X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and that's so unfortunate because we're connecting with the Christ. We're connecting with the creator. We have the Holy Spirit within us. If anybody should be a spiritual people and whose lifestyle and rhythms should be discernibly spiritual, it should be the Christian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I feel like since we've lost some ancient practices like meditation, reflection, contemplation, quiet, solitude, silence, some of these things that our that, that generations before us engaged full throttle. And you can, when you read some of the writings that come out of some of these older writings of Christians that were spending a lot of time engaged in, engaged in these spiritual practices, you just, there's so much wisdom, so much self-awareness, so much understanding of the human condition coming out of them that uh, the spirituality is just, it's just seeping with spirituality. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyways, that's kind of a tangent, but just trying to figure out how we as Christians can be who we already are uh, as spiritual people. Um, and real quick, what's the next one? What's the second And a second practice would be... Um, we're not very consistent in this, but my wife and I have been talking a lot about how we can avoid eating out on Sundays. Mm. Um, because if we're eating out, somebody else is working, laboring, somebody else is being um, is doing things that they have to do any other day of the week. And so we've just been thinking through how we could, are we contributing to something that we shouldn't contribute to? That is a person who is created in the image of God, who is created by God and for God, a person whom God wants to know and whom God wants to know him. And um, but there's no rhythm. There's no example of Sabbath that they're seeing anywhere. They're not noticing a decline in in um, in those who are coming into the restaurants on Sundays. Um, If anything, there's an increase. If anything, there's an increase. And so we haven't done this consistently. So I hesitate throwing it out there as a second practice because I'm kind of a hypocrite on this because we do eat out on Sundays uh, at times. Um, But we are praying and we're thinking through that conviction and wondering if we should just nip that entirely, if that would be good for us, but also um, on some level be good for the society that I'm in. Yeah. That's great, man. Well, we can hold you Accountable. Well, if we see you eating out on Sundays, we'll say, <laughs> Andrew, what's going on, man? Yeah. What's going on, with you? What's going on in your life? Well, um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, Emily, great questions. Thank you for asking those and uh, sending them and submitting to, to them, for uh, submitting them 
to us. Uh, anybody else has a question, you can email those to us at gospelclarity at alloschurch.com. And with that, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.